set my timer. Yes. So we're in a series called Go Eat Popcorn. And we called it that so you would remember Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. These are the four letters that we're looking at that Paul wrote to the churches because they're filled with foundational truths that we need to understand in order to experience the full and abundant life that Jesus has came for us to have. And so we've been working through them together. And we've been for the last few weeks in Ephesians. In Ephesians, Paul is telling us about who we are in Christ, um, what that means, what our identity is, what Jesus has done for us. And I've been making sure you hear this, that, um, you know, he, he tells us that, that we're the church. As individuals, we're the church, and corporately, we're the church. And that we need to think about that, that this morning when you got up to come here, all of us said the same thing, hey, we're going to church. Sometimes we start thinking that's this building, that's what we're doing, but it's not. It's us gathered corporately as the church. But you were the church when you were at home. Um, that's who you are. So, And when you leave here in, in a little while, when you go out there, you'll be the church. Out there in mission, you're still the church. And I think it's important that we get a hold of that concept because it impacts the way that we live. You don't want to compartmentalize, well, church is something that I do. No, you are the church. It's who you are. It's your very identity. And that will impact the way that we live throughout the course of our days. And, and that's what Paul is going to talk to us about today a little bit uh, when we get into Ephesians 5. And the other thing that we need to sort of get a, a grip on is that normally when, when we want to become something in life, culturally, uh, it would be about things that we have to do to become something. Uh, some of you are probably watching March Madness right now and watching all the basketball games. Anybody watch basketball? There's a few of you. Okay. So there's a lot of basketball going on. But if you wanted to be a great basketball player, you have to practice. You have to learn how to dribble, and you have to do that very well, and you have to pass and do all the things that they do, and, you know, slam dunk and everything. It's not most, most of us never get to do that. But uh, unless they lower the basket to eight feet. Now, no, it's, if it is, probably be seven feet now. Because <laughs> I'd hurt myself if I tried to jump to eight feet. So you, it's about what we do. See, so it's things that we do in order to become something. But our life in Christ is the opposite of that, and that's what confuses people. See, th this life in Christ is about what he's done for us. And, and that's what Paul keeps pointing out. It's things that Jesus has done for us. He's made it all possible for us. Our life is lived in response to what he has done for us. There's nothing that we could do to become a Christian. We couldn't earn enough. We couldn't give enough. We couldn't pray enough. We couldn't love enough to do any of those things. That's why when you, when you read what's going on, it's always about what he's done for us. That always happens first. It's about what he's done for us, and then we live in response to that. So Paul has been telling us, look, you've been, you've been filled with the Spirit. You've been sealed with the Spirit. You're part of the church. That's what he's done, and now we live in response to that. So we're going to move into Ephesians 5. That's the transition. I, have, I, had, I had three bad jokes as of last night, and now I've knocked two of them out because they were terrible. So you're stuck with one. You think I should do the second one? Okay, all right. Well, I'll do the second one. But you're not getting the third one. I don't care what you do. You see, see now, now it's a test, but you would hate it. All right, listen. So little girl, she walks into the living room in the morning. Her dad's reading the paper, and she looks at me and she says, Hey, Daddy, um, where does poo come from? And the, the father's a little taken aback about his five-year-old daughter. Already he's asking these difficult questions, and he... He thinks for a moment, he said, well, listen, here's the, here's the deal. You know, we just ate breakfast, right? And she goes, yeah. He said, well, the food goes into our tummies and our bodies take out all the good stuff. And then whatever's left comes out when, when we go to the toilet and that's poo. And the little girl looks perplexed and stares at him in stunned silence for a few seconds. And then, and then she said, but well, daddy, where does Tigger come from? 
Some of you are getting it a little late because you have no idea what Winnie the Pooh is all about. You're just above our generation, probably. All right, here's the other one then. I was going to cancel it, but this is now no longer my fault. It was St. Patrick's Day last weekend, right? And it seems to me like St. Patrick's Day keeps getting bigger and bigger every year. Must be Dublin. I tried not to do it. Scripture reading here on purpose. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 and following. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Blessed be the word of the Lord. I want to focus in on those last couple of verses in our time together today. Point number one in your notes is this. Be careful how you walk. Be careful how you walk. Ephesians 5.15, this is the New American Standard, therefore be careful how you walk. Uh, If you were here some weeks ago, we we talked about this idea of walking and living, and the words are are basically interchangeable in the Greek, and depending on your translation, as as I just showed you two different translations, it could be um, how you walk, how you live. It's the same idea that Paul is getting. And I want to think about it in the way that we walk for a moment because Paul's telling us here, okay, in light of everything that's happening, in light of who you are, what I want you to do now is I want you to pay attention to how you walk, pay attention to how you live, be very careful in this whole process because it's important because it's very easy for us to get tripped up. So that's why I like the idea of walk there because we, we can think about, you know, tripping hazards and what happened. And sometimes we just sort of fall into a routine without even realizing it. And, and we're just kind of going through the motions of life. This happens to a lot of people. They're just going through motions and they're, they're missing out on this amazing life that we have in Christ. And, and you need to know that your relationship with Christ, when, when Jesus saved you, he wanted to be in relationship with you. But even more than that, you were created for a purpose of his. And he wants to make sure that you understand that, that you have purpose in this life and that your life matters and it counts. So we need to, we need to pay attention. I was uh, working over at my son's house this week. We're doing a little project on his house. And uh, so my son, hello, my son is there and uh, his, his father-in-law there, Tom, is there and the boys are there. Um, and they're, my grandkids are five and four, five and three, something like that. They're, and they're great. They're great boy. I have five other ones too in another house close by. And, but anyway, these, I was just with two of them and it was spring break. So they were home and they were playing and you know, little kids, they play games and they sort of move from one game to the next and they don't really pick up what they finished. And, and it just sorts to spread out. So when you got little kids around, you got stuff on the floor. And you need to pay attention what you're doing. And I was carrying things in, and twice I stepped on things. You know, I, and I, I don't think I broke anything, but you've got to worry about not breaking things and not slipping. You know, that could happen too, and, uh, and hurting yourself, which it, you don't want at this point in life. So anyway, all those things are going on. You, you've got to be very careful to, to how you live. Alice and I, we're empty nesters now, and, and virtually there's never anything on the floor. Uh, so you could, you could get a little sort of, you know, arrogant about that. I don't have to worry about how I walk in the house, except that God gave you a pinky toe. And I think he just does that to keep your attention, you know, because why is it the pinky toe gets in so much trouble? 
it's sort of squished off on the side. How is it the one that smacks into everything that's just, and you could miss everything and hit that, and it's so painful. Is it just me, or is it like it sort of ruins the day, the whole pinky toe experience? I think that's just God's way of keeping us focused on how we walk. And how we're to live this life. So he starts by saying, listen, I want you to pay attention to how you live. Pay attention to how you walk and what's going on. And then he gives us some great advice. Point number two. He tells us we're to live a life of wisdom. A life of wisdom. The second part of verse 15. Not as unwise, but as wise. So what does that mean, to live a life of wisdom? And I think oftentimes we think, oh, you know, what's a wise person? Well, a wise person is somebody that knows a lot. But that's not the idea uh, that Paul is going for here. When you read the scripture, and I'm always you know, asking you and imploring you to read the scripture, um, and why it's important that we read the Old Testament, is that a lot of these ideas that are put forth in the New Testament come out of the Old Testament. And, and the Old Testament talks a lot about wisdom. You can read the book of Proverbs. I hope you do. Um, you should be reading it all the time. I read it. I read one every day. Um, uh, that should just be part of your life. So there's a lot of wisdom in there. But, but wisdom in the Bible is different than we might think. And so I want to share a verse with you so we understand it. Exodus 31, 1 through 5. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship to make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and in bronze and in the cutting of stones for setting and in the carving of wood that he may work in all kinds of craftsmanship. Now, this guy, Bezalel, he was an amazing guy. God gave him this ability to do these amazing things. If you get a chance and can read Exodus Go back into these chapters, 31 through 36. Uh, 36 was in my reading this morning. And Bezalel is used by God to put together the tabernacle. And he can do, he's amazing what he does. Because he's been given this wisdom from God. And see, that's the idea of wisdom in the Old Testament. Is wisdom, in the way it's supposed to be, the idea, the concept, is that you take everything that God has given you, your gifts, your, your talents, your abilities, your very life, and you use them in creative ways for his glory. Because that's where we find life. That's the idea of wisdom. That's what Paul's telling us. That's how you want to live. I want you to live in these wise lives, which, which means take everything that God has given you, all that your identity, all that you are, the gifts, the talents, and then use them creatively in ways to bring glory to God and to the kingdom, because that's where life is. And so this is the idea of the life of wisdom that he's calling us to. And then he says this. He says, I want you to redeem the time. That's point number three. We, we need to understand this whole process, and, and we're going to use this wisdom that he's given us, these things he's, all, everything he's given us, and we're going to use it for his glory, redeeming the time or making the best use of time. Ephesians 5.16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So Paul's saying here that, that we need to live lives that have purpose, that, that are intentional. I call it living all in. Heart, mind, soul, and strength. You'll hear me say that here all the time. That needs to be how we're living through this. We're, we want to make um, a, a full use of every opportunity that, that God brings us throughout the course of each and every day. Imagine just for a moment if, if every day, instead of just sort of getting through it, you were really looking for what God wanted you to do in the course of that day. Uh, imagine how things would be different if that's what you were doing, looking for him as you move through, looking for what he was doing, living for him intentionally in ways that matter 
in his kingdom and for him in the process. So I want you to think about that because my concern is that a lot of times we think that our lives don't really matter or they don't really count or that we don't make a difference. Now, the Bible, it's, a, it's an amazing, wonderful, alive book. That's why I'm always telling you to read it. It's filled with so many things. And it's, it's Jesus' story. Uh, I, I tell you all the time when you read it, look for Jesus in here. O- old and new. Some people think, oh, it's only in the new. Now, he's throughout the Bible. This is his story in the process. And, and if you read the Bible, you, you find out some neat things. One of the things I want to talk about today is that the first three chapters of Genesis and the last three chapters of Revelation... They're like bookends of the Bible. And, and they're amazing in how they sort of, in, in the first three, gets things started. In the last three, it wraps everything up uh, and, and so that there's everything else that's going on between the two. And so the Bible begins with a wedding in paradise, yes, and it ends with a wedding in paradise. We see that take place in the last three chapters. And there's four things that, that are, we find in common between the, the themes introduced in the beginning and how it all plays out in the end. And so in both of them, there's a paradise, there's a bridal couple, there's the serpent story, and there's the tree of life in both of them. In the first paradise in Eden, we have a bridal couple. We have Adam and Eve. But in the last paradise, at the end of the Bible, there's a new couple now. It's a little different. We have Jesus, who's the bridegroom, and we have the church, which is the bride. And who's the church? That's you guys. We just we had that talk, right? And so at the end of the book, there's, a, there's still a, a couple in paradise, but now it's, it's in, you know, the way it's put out. It's, it's Jesus and it's us there in the garden at the end. It's really, really cool. There's a serpent in the first paradise. And the serpent, he introduces sin and death by deceiving in Adam and Eve, and they do what they shouldn't do. And so all of the mess that we've seen has happened from that moment, uh, sin and death are the consequences of what took place there. But when you come to the last paradise, here's what's amazing. You know what? The serpent's been dealt with. At the very end, there's no more. See, there's no serpent in that last paradise. He's been dealt with. It's, it's the Apostle John's way of telling us in Revelation that nothing can come between the eternal happiness of the new couple, Jesus and us, because it's been dealt with through the process. There's a tree of life in the Garden of Eden. And if you remember, because of the fall, they, they were no longer allowed access to it. There's a big cherubim put in place that blocked the access. But when you get to the last uh, paradise, and, you, and twice in Revelation, this is what Jesus says, to him who overcomes, I will give to eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. So that when we get to the end of the book, once again, we see that we've been restored. We now have access to the tree of life. It's the promise of eternity. It's the gospel. Uh, you know, the good news. We, we talk about that here. I know I put that in every week, but you need to know the gospel. First Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. Because that's the message you have to hear and respond to, to go from darkness to light. That's our part. I said it was all response on our part. That's what Jesus has done. We respond to that in faith and we engage in this relationship with him now. We become the church, his bride, and we live forever with him. And so you, you see the beginning of the story and you see the end of the story. Now, what some people do is they think, well, if the end's already written, what difference does it make whatever I do? The end is, the end is what it is. Here's the amazing thing. We talk about this a lot with God is that we live in tension, we live between the now and the not yet. And so what you need to know that, that while there is definitely a beginning and there is definitely end, the middle is still being written. 
if you would. The, the, and when I say that, I don't mean the scriptures being written, but the story is still unfolding. Have you ever read the book of Acts? And it ends very funny. Acts 28. Let me read it to you. It's not in the notes. Last two verses. This is how it ends. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Boom. That's the end of the book. It just ends there. It's, the, it's one of the strangest endings there is. There's usually a goodbye or something going on. It just stops there. Here's why that happens. Acts is about the church. It starts with the coming of the Holy Spirit, and then it's about Peter's ministry and how the church begins to spread, and then it's about Paul's ministry and how the church goes out throughout the world at that known at that time, and then it ends funny because the church isn't done yet. See, we're still in story. With the, the book of Acts, just don't hear me say that we add in the scripture, but the book of Acts is ongoing in us. We're the church. When you read about what's happening there, that's what's happening now in us. And, and the story is still being written, if you would. We're still, our stories are being woven into his. I keep telling you that. And it's ongoing. And so how you live matters. It makes a huge difference on the impact. It makes a huge difference on people that are around us now. That's why it's so important that we live with intention and we live with purpose. And we, we live as wise, you know, taking all that God has given us and using it creatively for his glory. And, and then fourth, we, we need to live looking for Jesus. I, I've been uh, saying this throughout this series. When, when you read the scripture, which I've been encouraging you to do, that, that even when you read the Old Testament, I want you to look for Jesus. He's there. You need to look for him. Well, well let me expand that a little. The other thing I want to say to you is, is I, I want you to look for Jesus throughout the course of your day. In the midst of your lives, you should be looking for Jesus. Let, let me say this. You, you need to be looking for the supernatural in the natural, if you would. And here's a great verse in Exodus 3, 1 through 4. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Most of you know this story. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. So um, here's the thing. Moses is basically at work. He's just at work. He's doing his job. And he sees this bush on fire. Now, um, there's a particular bush there in, in that area that will sort of spontaneously combust sometimes because of the heat and the way that things are. And they will burst into flames. So that does happen. But this one was on flames but not burning. When they burst into flame normally, that's it. Boom, they're gone. They burst into flame, right? So this one is, is burning but it's, it's not being destroyed. And that catches Moses' attention. Moses is at work, and he sees something going on. And so Moses says, you know, I, I should probably go see what's happening over there. And so he takes time out of his work day to stop and look at what's going on with uh, that bush. And then this is what the, what the Scripture said. This is amazing. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, when, when, when the Lord saw that, not before, when the Lord saw that, he had gone to look, God called to him. Now, what that verse says to me is that there's all these things going on in life around us and, and that 
that, that we need to be paying attention to because they matter. And we have all these amazing things that God has given us that he wants us to use in creative ways. And we're to be redeeming the time that's around us. That means buying back, purchasing back all the stuff that the enemy has stolen for the sake of the kingdom. And, and we need to be just in our natural, normal lives looking to see what God is doing. We're supposed to be careful, supposed to be paying attention, looking for Jesus. And that when you stop out of the day, the, the busyness of the day or the sort of just trying to get through the day, if you'll just stop and look, you will see things that God is doing and then he'll move you into amazing directions in your life. See, and, and it's, that is when we start to experience life. So, so we get sort of stuck sometimes and we think, well, I'm just waiting until Jesus comes back. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Jesus coming back too. But all the time between now and then, because we don't know when that's going to be, that's all this time that we can experience him in all these amazing ways throughout the course of our lives. And that's when life takes a whole different meaning than sometimes what we experience. It's when we just say, God, it's all yours. I'm going to live all in. Heart, mind, soul, and strength, living for you. I'm going to be looking throughout the day for what you're doing. And, and it might be that you don't see something all the time, but you will see things that are happening. Someone that needs you to stop to say hello. Someone that needs just a, 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 somebody to listen for a moment or, or some small thing that you can do in the process. Or maybe you just see something you can pray about. But that if you will engage at that level, it will change the way that you experience life. And this is what Paul is calling us to. It's what he's exhorting us to as the church. That's how we're to live. He says, I want you to be very careful how you walk. Uh, Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time so that we can use it in amazing ways for his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Ministry team, those of you here, why don't you head over the wall? People over there are here to pray for you. And... uh, if you need prayer for anything this morning, they'll make sure you get it. They'll pray for healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations, whatever you got going on. But let me pray for you as a group, and then we can have breakfast and dismiss. Papa, thank you so much for your goodness to us and your love for us. You're such an awesome God. Thank you for this life that you give us, this full, amazing, abundant life, Lord. And, and let us live it in a way that, that brings you glory. God, and that, that allows us to experience it fully in every way possible that you've intended it to be for us, God. And, and Lord, I, I pray that as we do, not only would we be changed, but that it would impact the world around us for you. That you would bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area. That hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. Ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You are such an awesome, awesome God. If you need prayer this morning for anything, the folks over there will pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations, whatever. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior... Let's take care of that too. It's a matter of humility and faith. In humility, it's, it's just admitting to God you're broken like all the rest of us. You've sinned. Asking Him to forgive you, which you will do. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, do it now. Best decision you'll ever make. If you need help, just go and ask somebody. Say, I want to know Jesus. And they'll help you with that prayer. They're over there to do that. 
So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay and have breakfast, Lord, thank you for the food you provided this morning. Bless that, everybody that makes it possible. Draw people in for the 11 o'clock service, God, so they can hear about your amazing love for them as well. You are awesome. Praise God from whom all... Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we